Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. And welcome to a new episode of the Geek Town Behind the Scenes podcast. I'm your host, Dave Elliott, and on this episode, I'm chatting with not one, but two composers. Co-composers John Ehrlich and Jason DeLacca. John and Jason co-scored Amazon Studios series Goliath, starring Billy Bob Thornton, William Hurt, Dennis Quaid, and J.K. Simmons, which recently launched its fourth and final season last month, alongside the soundtrack album for the drama as well. The duo currently also scored the medical drama The Resident, which returned to Fox for its fifth season in the US last month and its fourth season in the UK on Sky Witness. Prior to those shows, John and Jason received two Emmy nominations for their work on Fox's Emmy award-winning and Golden Globes award-nominated drama series House MD, starring Hugh Laurie, and on CBS's drama thriller series The Agency, starring Bo Bridges. The pair's other co-scoring credits include NBC's Parenthood and About a Boy, USA Network's Graceland and White Colour, and the Fox drama pitch along with many others on top of all that john earned an additional emmy nomination for his work on fox's adventure fantasy series raw which starred heath ledger meanwhile jason tours with the legendary rock and roll hall of fame band journey on keyboards backing and lead vocals and became an official member of the band in 2020 in the interview we discussed their process for co-composing finding the unique sound of goliath and how they approached the medical drama the resident we also discussed working with the brilliant hugh laurie in house If you'd like to hear more behind-the-scenes interviews, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts by searching for Geek Town Radio. This will also give you our weekly Geek Town Radio podcast, which brings you all the latest TV, film, and gaming news. You can also go to the website at geektown.co.uk for daily news stories and all the latest UK and US TV premiere dates. Here's the interview with John and Jason. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, 
it's lovely to be able to actually chat with both of you. I think this is the first time I've actually had two composers on at the same time. I've done tons of them like individually, but it's first time I've had two co-composers. I've even done co-composers separately, but never at the same time. So this is kind of nice. Oh, that's great. I'm surprised that that's the first time, but I'm so thrilled to be, you know. Thrilled to be your first. Yeah. So just so people that are listening know which voice is which, do you just want to quickly introduce yourself? We'll go with John first. Hi, I'm John Ehrlich. And I'm Jason Derlatka. Great. So hopefully people will understand which voice is which. Shall we start off by doing a little bit of background uh, about how you got into the industry in the first place? If we start off with John and then go to Jason. I actually sort of started out in New York in the theater. I kind of had it in my head that I wanted to write musicals. And I, I sort of quickly realized that I probably wasn't going to be able to sustain, you know, like any kind of consistent living in the theater. And a friend of mine who was going to NYU at the time had his grad school films that he needed support. And he asked me to do it. And I literally never even like contemplated the idea of music picture. And in fact, I think it was really the first time I even thought about the fact (laughs) that there was music in a film. (laughs) Um, And, you know, and I sort of started to like finger paint and realized that it kind of encapsulated a lot of the things that I really felt connected to about writing musicals, you know, because it, it, you were kind of, you know, looking for those moments that sort of transcended reality <laughs> in a sense, you know, <laughs> and that needed to kind of become verticalized or dimensionalized. And I kind of slowly fell in love with it and then came out here to do um, a year at USC in you know, they have a grad school program in film scoring just because I, I did, I needed the nuts and bolts. And during that year, I, I working on projects on the side and, you know, by the time I, I kind of thought I was going to go back to New York after I finished the program. And then I just started getting little jobs. And, and before I knew it, I was, you know, I was doing it full time. So <laughs> That was kind of my trajectory. What about you, Jason? I went to graduated uh, college here in in Montana. I'm actually up here right now. Uh, But I had the opportunity when I was in college, actually, to do... They they had some programs that were these sort of philanthropic programs and based on also raising money for the school. And and David Foster was involved in one of those. I performed with him. And then there something else came up, I think, a few months later, where I was able to do another concert with him. He basically said, well, you, you really should get down to LA. This is where I see, what do you want to do? I said, well, I, you know, was writing, you know, songs at the time, you know, wanted to get into production. I'd done a little bit of, you know, in my music technology class, we'd, we'd scored the picture a little bit, not too much, but I, I knew that I needed to leave Montana, at least to realize the dream of being in some area of the music <laughs> business. I thought, you know, and, and so Al, it was brought me, anyway, David basically invited me down into the said, come by sometime. And so I went down and um, I did, you know, odd jobs here and there uh, and started working at, uh, at the record plan a bit, working on, did a couple of things uh, with David. But um, then I met John, who, you know, had a, a jingle house in New York and was doing, I think, what were you working on at the time? Maybe Roar or something Roar, at the yeah. time, I believe. And, and also was, uh, you know, doing commercials. So gave me the opportunity to, well, you know, why don't you score this uh, commercial and see, see how it does. And I think, I think it ended up, I'm not sure what it was. I think was it, was that a Texaco? There was something early on, John, I think that it ended up, you know, winning the campaign. And, right, right. and so then, then John, 
started hiring me to do more. So I, my start really was. I'm sure writing, it was some sort of antidepressant. I think. <laughs> I think it was Paxil, or, or, or I can't. Tell no, I don't. Really I probably shouldn't mention any. I don't remember exactly what it was. But um, so the, it, I really started with sort of the short form and really kind of fell in love with the process of being inspired by visual and story. And, and it sort of took off from there really. Uh, and, and it began to do writing some working with John on some cues and doing some things with shows. And that's how we really started you know, working together. It started for me really working in, sh- in short form though, in commercials and that. Yeah. And it's it just, yeah, that, that's how it basically started for me. So how does the co-scoring stuff now work? I mean, you said you're in Montana at the moment, but I was yes. And usually, are you sort of both in the same room? Does it generally come from one of you or do you tackle, like when you get a new project, do you tackle it, both of you together at the same time? For all of that, all of the above, <laughs> I would say. Wouldn't you say, John? I mean, we do get in the same room and, and work yeah. out things. I mean, uh, I mean, COVID kind of has, like with everyone else in the world, it, it's sort of, you know, become, you know, necessity is the mother of invention for us. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you kind of figure out, what's possible without, you know, sneezing on each other. And, and, you know, like up until COVID, for the most part, we were working in the same studio. You know, we have studios with separate control rooms and live room that we share and, and the rest of the facility. But especially early on on a project, we were bouncing in and out of each other's rooms or we're kind of sitting in one or the other room and just kind of finger painting, you know, just kind of experimenting and trying some things. And, you know, there are certain shows like I think of like Parenthood was an example of a show where it was everything was kind of handmade. And so we kind of played it on each other's tracks. Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry about that. I should close that. The, the toast is ready. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, in that example, there was a lot of like sort of constant cross-pollination, mm. you know, where we don't literally tend to sit in the same room like day in and day out when we're working on a project. But we're down the hall and we're kind of discussing like, how do you want to score this scene? And you should we use a theme from that episode. And, and so we kind of we do a lot of mapping out from the spotting notes of who's going to take which themes, at least to start which storylines. Mm. So kind of we break it up in a way that makes architectural sense for the score. And then but we're in sort of constant communication. I mean, and now it turns out, you know, Jason, he's from Montana and he had a place up there and COVID hit and we were sitting on our hands, as I told you before, <laughs> production on Goliath and The Resident, the, the two shows we were working on at the time just shut down and we we didn't know when we were coming back. And, you know, so he took his family up to Montana. And then over that time, he set himself up up there and it just kind of made sense to keep working in part because COVID was still scary. And yeah. And, but we, you know, like yesterday, you know, we're, we're working on the resident right now and it was pretty seamless, actually, the transition to, to working this way. I mean, this has been sort of a temporary way of, of working, but I think a lot of people sort of found themselves in this position and it it's actually, you know, worked out well. We've, I would say, you know, John was speaking of earlier about, you know, the working together and down the hall. I mean, we usually, when we start at the onset of a, of a show or whatever, we're, we tend to 
work a lot closer, I think, with what, establishing yeah. what the sound and the template and what it's going to be. And then once we sort of get established that and, and get that off the ground, then th- we kind of go off in our we know we've worked together for a while and, and really have, you know, similar, we complement each other, I would say, sort of in our sensibilities, mm-hmm. which is really, really, uh, you know, sometimes a, a rare thing is that we, we've, we've, we work so well together. Yeah. Um, and by the way, Justin, uh, I mean, <laughs> you know, that I feel this way, but I just, I'll say it publicly. Like, I mean, I feel unbelievably fortunate and blessed to have had this work out so well. I mean, because what you're saying is so, really just kind of lucky, you know, that the things that we share in terms of like sensibility and sort of uh, just connection to picture are kind of the essential things that you need to be on the same wavelength about. Um, yeah. and, and then there are other areas where we kind we really do sort of pull each other into slightly what might be slightly more uncomfortable areas for ourselves because we compensate for each other a little yeah. bit. When it comes to something like Goliath, which has got the fourth season coming up and the resident also has got the fifth season coming up. So with Goliath, you're heading into the final season. How did you come up with the sound for that series and how has it sort of evolved as you've gone through the seasons? Well, I mean, it's a really cool project in that, not that this has never happened, but it's, it's a little unusual where each season kind of gets its own musical vocabulary, you know, because, because the, the, the case, each case, each Goliath case where you have Billy kind of going up against some like dark shadowy force is in a different setting. It has a different kind of scent to it, you know? Mm. And so we've instinctively kind of recreated the palette each season there. I mean, there is a thread. I I think um, JC would agree with me. There is like the Goliath electronic, more kind of Trent Reznery, you know. Sure. There's sort of this underbelly that remained, I think, consistent. That's sort of, yeah, like a common thread, I think, from from the first season. But there are other textures and like John mentioned, a vocabulary that sort of inspired not only by the different settings, you know, and where they're where they're shooting, um, but, you know, in, the introduction of different characters and every, you know, the uh, antagonist is, you know, it always changes and we sort of give that a different voice. And, and you know, so, so that evolves. That, that's a, that's evolved over the over the seasons. It's always it's a different. But the, with that sort of common thread and, and a sort of shadowy underbelly that, like he said, it's sort of that analog sort of it's it's this kind of. Uh, talking about the, go- the Goliath sound, the, the Goliath, exactly the Goliath sound. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's sort of this like gritty, dark, you know, kind the, it, whatever whatever it is sonically, um, which is hard to describe. Necess- you know, like accurately, yeah. it's just like the it's the feeling of this looming, shadowy force that is a Goliath, is a behemoth, yeah. is big and daunting and impossible. Um, and so that's always you know, kind of there. I think one thing that I, I just want to mention, though, is that from season to season, it, it, it really is sort of more of an extreme shift, in part because it's almost like the rhythm of the show changes from season to season. Right. You know, like the third season takes place in the Central Valley, and it's kind of in, in this desert setting, and it was shot 
I'm sort of beautifully, but but with much slower edits, and it's like um, kind of an art film, like a <laughs> indie art film, yeah. you know. And so we were so inspired by those visuals too. I remember sitting down and when we first started getting picture and things, and sitting and and saying, "Well, we really we want to re- really create something unique for this." And it's been that way for every season, yeah. you know. But but and I remember in that. And that circumstance it, it dealt with um, also, I think, the water rights and different things right. and stealing water and all that. And there were there were the, the machinery and things and tunneling underground and all this stuff that was going on. And so we, we brought in um, these acoustic instruments and, and filtered them and made them and made these strange sort of moving. It just sounded sort of like machinery and things sort of churning under the ground that was <laughs> sort of happening you could just sort of feel it underneath certain parts of the, of the score that was sort of a character itself yeah. Um, yeah like using instruments that you you would naturally kind of connect with that visual environment you know resonators and and also be used in unconventional ways and then we you know we did like i don't know like a full day or two of just experimentation hmm. uh creating we've done this before but in this case it was really kind of on steroids and we just created a huge library of licks and sounds and then processed them differently and i think we spent like after that we spent at least a couple of weeks kind of going through and you know manipulating all those sounds and then in doing so you kind of start and you start splashing it up against picture and immediately you're like that feels right you know like now i'm something like just a one dial on a some weird plug-in and half the time I don't even know what I've pulled up it's just <laughs> I haven't used this plugin what is it you know yeah yeah and then you know before you know it you kind of have something that's kind of specific and unique and mm. and it feels the audience is gonna know their where they are they're gonna know what's at stake and they're gonna feel the expansiveness and the sort of weird beauty of the landscape you know so jumping across to something like the resident which is is a far more i guess traditional network medical procedural i'm guessing there isn't as much of a dramatic shift from season to season dealing with something like that well i mean i would say what we started with did we start with uh what was the one with the hurricane i mean it just depends on really the story i mean they've, they've been they've done a really good job at keeping everything fresh on that show right. and, and so there are ways that we do change it up a bit but no but i mean i think i think that's that's fair and and the resident is a really good example of a show that you know it, it kind of knew what it was right off the bat mm-hmm. and and right. our approach to it was like you have you know this sort of lead character is kind of what inspired the sonic landscape for us like he's kind of this rough around the edges guy with tattoos and rides a motorcycle and <laughs> you know and he, yeah. he's not what you would expect a doctor slash resident to be but at the same time it's it, it i mean we also did house and it's kind of it's its own version of the anti-hero who yeah on the one hand like with house it was a character who was a genius but on an emotional level he was remote and disinterested right yeah. so so it was a he was a puzzle solver on the one hand so you created a sonic world where the music is kind of supporting what's going on inside his head, you know, the solving the puzzle, solving the crime in essence. But there's something else that's kind of in the background, like that sense that 
even if he's not doing this because he cares about these people, we do humanize them and that maybe there, maybe there's a spark somewhere in there that he actually really does care, you know? Yeah. And with Conrad and the resident, I think it actually, in some ways it has more of a connection to Goliath in that that show is about, you know, the medical industry and, and healthcare industry yeah. as corrupt and right. This, this shadow, yeah. The, the things that go on in the, in the shadows and the, that it's, uh, you know, in, in many ways, a broken system. Mm. And, and, and that, there, there is, I think a consistency, more of a consistency, I think, in terms of what the vocabulary is, but with every episode, we will introduce, you know, like the, a certain voice for, um, I guess I can't really talk about what we just did. Um, <laughs> it was actually a really cool, a really cool storyline. And, and one of the, uh, resident? yeah, exactly. We sort of created a different, you know, a whole different sound for this particular thing that was happening in the storyline. You know, that was different than, than any episode. And we, you know, I think we do change it up in that. Yeah. Like different, yeah. different, like in the same way that you would have, you know, a, a new theme for a new character, but right. we, within the same construct, which, you know, just getting back to Conrad, it's like, I think, as I recall, what we were approaching it from the standpoint of was that, you know, he's kind of a gritty character and that we wanted to create a sonic world that was kind of glitchy and gritty and had muscle, but also had the same kind of sense of there being this looming antagonist that was bigger than all of them, Yeah, which tends to kind of like it, different versions of that in The Resident, but that tends to be the construct. And most, like you say, most network shows are built on the premise that they want to create a world that people want to inhabit and come back to every week. Yeah. And they don't want <laughs> to have the audience show up one week and then be like, where am I? <laughs> you, yeah. know? you know, so, I mean, you know, if you establish it enough with a show that's successful and, and a hit, then obviously then you can have those sort of one-offs where, wow, this is like, you know, with House, we did a, a big musical number, yeah. you know, with, and it, which of course was completely out of left field, but you can get away with that when, you know, the audience has been with you for a while. Right. Yeah. And of course there are the, always the holiday episodes where you've got your exactly. Halloween episode, you know, and <laughs> sort of a mix, uh, you know, mix it up a little bit there too, which is, which is always kind of fun to do. Just yeah. touching yeah. on, uh, on house. I know Hugh directed a couple of episodes and, and, and things. Did he get involved with the music? Cause I mean, he's an incredibly talented musician himself. Yeah, he did. Yeah. yeah he like, absolutely. Yeah. First of all, what a, like a Menchie, like lovely, smart, clever, mm. great person. I mean, yep. and, and you, I mean, not naming any names, but you can't say that about <laughs> people, you know, who, who work in this industry and especially people who are under that kind of pressure. I mean, just, I mean, every encounter we have with them, we, we, we there were like a couple episodes where, where they actually put us in the show. Um, so we, got, we, you know, in that setting, we got to hang out with him. Yeah. Uh, but he was, um, just super supportive and, you know, as he appears incredibly humble, um, yeah. When he directed, he would be at the spotting sessions. And again, always like, here's, here's an idea, you know, I was thinking, but, but, you know, you guys know what you're doing, you know, and I, I would defer to you. 
I mean, but I mean, he was the director and he was had super smart observations. And so, you know, of course, pretty much anything he said was taken as handed down by the almighty. And sometimes it it was just a, you know, like a reference or a piece of music or, you know, Hugh, Hugh really digs this thing or they they'll sometimes they'll tempt with something who brought to the table or some someone would you know right and we were we would you know play off of that um which is i think which is often the case there are a lot of the, a lot of these they'll put something in the temp someone will have an idea or uh, mention a band you know someone that was mentioned at the spotting session this would this was kind of a cool vibe and so we you know a lot of times we'll try to incorporate be inspired by that and, and incorporate it into the score yeah i mean it was an amazing show that from like the music to the cast to that i mean it was just just such a wonderful wonderful series and obviously Hugh being British and doing such a good job as a sort of American in that I thought was wonderful. That was crazy, man. I mean, on the set, he would stay in in his American accent all day. Yeah, there's a... There's a classic thing that um, he's what used to be his comedy partner, Stephen Fry. They're great, very close friends and went to college together. And Stephen was, I think, doing Bones at the time because they're both actors. And he'd met Hugh on set and Hugh would not drop the accent. And of course, Stephen's known him for years. And he's like, will you drop that ridiculous accent while I was talking to you? <laughs> well, I, I beg to differ because, you know, Hugh was also incredibly apologetic about his accent, about his American accent. Right. Which was staggering to me because it was like flawless. Yeah. It was, it was like, I mean, honestly, like maybe twice in a season, you'd hear just like a little yeah. slip like you'd hear a a and you'd be like, yeah. that's not quite right. But yeah, but you know, and they probably fixed it, you know, cause we, we, sometimes we hear stuff before it's looped and, and whatever, but I mean, it was almost never, never. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he always comes across as, as a wonderful human being. So final couple of questions for you. You're working on The Resident at the moment, assuming that's the ongoing thing you're on right now. Yeah, but I mean, can I just interject real quick? Because I, I mean, I don't know what your questions are, but we'd really like to talk about the fourth season of Goliath because it's about to drop and, and, the, and there's a soundtrack coming out. And we are super, super proud of the work we did, especially in the fourth season. Awesome. Where can people get the Goliath soundtrack? It's being released by Lakeshore. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I think it's coming out on the 24th, on September 24th, the same day that uh, the show drops. And the show, the season, you know, we, we didn't quite <laughs> like, for whatever reason, I, I mentioned season three in terms of the sound. But season four was just like a gift for us because the entire season is kind of seen through Billy Bob Thornton's character, Billy McBride's internal monologue that he's having with his father, who was emotionally abusive. Mm-hmm. And and he's in a lot of physical pain, psychic pain, emotional pain. And so the relationship he had with his dad was centered completely around them watching old film noir films together, the classic <laughs> Rear Window, High Noon and so forth. So the entire season visually and in terms of the storytelling is told through these sort of fragmented recollections of those movies and how it relates to his relationship with his father. So it's, it's kind of in and out of like hallucinations where you're not really sure you're kind of on the nice edge about like what's real and what isn't. Wow. And well, we were given so much visually too to work with. I don't know. Can we, I'm not sure what we can say about, about location or what. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. On the one hand, it, it, the setting is, you know, Chinatown and San Francisco on the other hand, the setting really is our sets of these old movies, like mm-hmm. where he lives 
in Chinatown is almost like a direct, you know, shot for shot visual of Rear Window with Jimmy <laughs> Stewart, you yeah. know, looking at the alley. And so... Right. And then the people that inhabit that alley where he's able to kind of peer, you know, there's some people who are really significant to the crime or whatever, you know, the, the, the yeah. big name Goliath. But there's also these sort of incidental characters like there is this woman who's incessantly practicing trombone. Um, and she's there throughout like the, the scene. Well, he, he characters throughout from, from his past and things sort of coming in and out. It's, it's like, it's, it's really interesting how they made that all work and sort of how his, like you say, sort of fragmented fragments of his past and everything sort of coming and going. And, and we have the, re- we have the references to these films because they're iconic films. And so there are sequences where it's kind of like shot for shot, like high noon and, <laughs> and like to catch a thief and vertigo and, mm. and but but with our characters kind of in it so it's kind of like we're seeing the season through his eyes and in his head he's kind of the classic noir hero of his own film but but like i said at the same time you're not really sure like yeah. what's real and what isn't so i mean to cut to the chase the point is there are different layers to what we did but we really approached this both melodically sonically orchestrationally from uh, like the classic film noir point of view and yeah we could really dig we could really dig into that and, ex- and ex- exploit that i think and it really it, it was really satisfying i think in the end to be do something also that had a little grander scale to it and sort of a classic yeah. sensibility yeah like jason said it just it, it felt really felt really good you know to get into a room with the orchestra and you know we managed to to do these orchestra sessions even with covid right it kind of worked out perfectly i mean it was kind of fine i mean people were a little more separated and they wore masks but it sounded great it sounded big and lush and we, you know we were in some great rooms and even the way we mic'd it and the way we sort of mastered the finished tracks it has that kind of analog late 50s early 60s kind of sound to it mm-hmm. um wow. so yeah we're really really proud and really excited to have that come out i think they really saved the best for last in goliath yeah well that sounds a really interesting soundtrack so uh that's going to be one worth looking up when is that coming out with the show then as well yes. the soundtrack is mostly season four i would say it's like it's more than half of the soundtrack probably approaching 60 percent of it is right But, you know, we took the opportunity. Amazon wanted us to, you know, to be able to pepper in cues from all the seasons. So there's quite a bit of season three and maybe a little less of seasons one and two, for the most part, just because I think we have maybe a slight prejudice like season four and season three we had an orchestra so <laughs> so you know i mean sonically yeah. <laughs> sounds a little a, a little more kind of like expensive and beautiful so you've got the delia soundtrack coming out working on the resident season five at the moment is there anything else coming up you could talk about at the moment or or i mean i know a lot a lot of the time that is the cases you can't but <laughs> i'm not sure i'll leave that to john i suppose well, there's I, something, I there are some I, things coming up yeah i think the answer to that unfortunately is it can't really quite things in the works that I can't quite discuss quite yet, but I'm excited about. And I think John is would yeah. agree. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. and, I mean, Jason, you're, I noticed in the notes, it's a joined journey as a full member last year. So are, are they doing anything coming up? Cause well, that's been an, that's been an incredible development. I mean, I have 
just been thrilled to be a part of that and a, a band that I've always been a huge fan of where uh, I think as with most bands and live performances, a lot of a lot of it has sort of been um, determined by the situation with with COVID. Unfortunately, yeah. uh, you know, we're playing iHeart Radio um, in Vegas, uh, you know, in a week. And then there are some dates in uh, in December that uh, we're really excited about a residency in Caesars and oh, awesome. um, actually be, be playing with a live orchestra for some of those shows too. So that that's going to be really exciting. So yeah, that's been, I suppose, a little bit surreal just because I've been such a big fan of their music for <laughs> so long. But uh, that's really excited about that for sure. I have to say from my standpoint, it's super nice to finally be able to say that Jason is like a super rock star without it having to be metaphorical anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I would have said it 10 years ago, like he's, (laughs) you know, brilliant composer, rock star. Oh, John. (laughs) You don't get much more rock starry than being a Jenny. I mean, you know, so... (laughs) And, and, and by the way, I mean, he's great. I mean, it, go see Journey. It's like a fresh new injection of raw talent. Well, we, we recently performed at Lollapalooza, which was just such an, it's amazing, an amazing feeling. And it's like you're sort of seeing this whole new generation of fans and out there, you know, mm. that are appreciating these, these great, it's such an inspiring body of songs, you know, this body of work that, that they did. And, and to be part of that group and sharing that with people is just a really incredible feeling. For yeah. sure. Well, the sooner you can get back to like big live gigs and I'm glad you're sort of managing to start to to do that again because you know that's how that music's supposed to be appreciated I think so doing the, I think everybody's doing their best at trying to make that happen yeah, yeah. in a safe safe way <laughs> I mean you played Central Park and and you, yep. so you played Lollapalooza so you, you're doing some of it but it's gonna yep. ramp up slowly awesome the final two questions for you first question is what TV shows are you watching at the moment John first okay I want to pick something that I like because <laughs> 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 I'm not necessarily watching something that's good um, mayor of East Town I think it is yeah. really really good and um, white Lotus. Oh, yeah. And that in particular, I mean, the score is really interesting and bold. And they really kind of took a lot of risks with the scoring approach. And I, I think it, you know, totally pays off. Yeah. What about you, Jason? I, you know, at the moment, I, I, nothing comes to mind. This last summer, I sort of, <laughs> we've, we've been up here and I, I, spent more of my time out sort of hiking and doing things outside and less watching. So I, I need a little, uh, I need to catch up a bit. Um, <laughs> I need to get, I need to catch up, which I usually do. I start referencing things and getting back into things a bit in the fall, but I, I nothing comes to mind. Hmm. Um, I, a lot of the time that would be the case with me, but because, you know, I had a little bit of time this summer, I, I did watch some things, but I'm with you, Jason, in that. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I apologize. My answer is not the, you yeah. know, <laughs> I think it's helpful some sometimes to not be too kind of tapped into what everyone else is doing and then to just kind of live in, in the world of the show you're working on and not be too influenced by anything that, that really is kind of beside the point. 
you know? Yeah. I just, just, and this might be a side. I mean, I grew up here in Montana, basically no power running water sort of off the grid Mm. is how I grew up. And so I think that there have been times since I purchased a place up here in Montana where I just shut off a bit, shut, you know, outside influence, different things and sort of kind of get into that mode a little bit again. And it really clears my head. And I find the creatively when I sort of come out of that, I'm just, I'm really fresh and inspired. And so when I kind of get away from it a little bit, it's a good thing for me to kind of go back to that a little bit, but not to make too much of the point, but yeah, no, it makes perfect sense. does make perfect sense. Last question. If you had the opportunity to work on any TV show, it can be something historical from the past, something that's out now or some sort of future genre. What would it be? Jason first. I really love the large scale action type Marvel you know, th- those right. are, we have a little bit, I think, in the past for certain scenes here and there, we'll sort of get big and broad and fast and loud. And and that's kind of, that's always really fun with an orchestra. And mm-hmm. we haven't done that as as much, I think, that something that was just straightforward of that genre, that kind of action comic Marvel type thing. But uh, I don't know. That's the first thing that comes to mind yeah. for, for me, so, something sort of broad in scope like that. Yeah. What about you, John? I mean, I could go on forever, you know, so I don't know. <laughs> um, because on the one hand, it's like, I really, really love working on projects that, you know, like Parenthood, Party 5 was sort of an example of that as well, like where I'm kind of like living the life that I'm living both on screen and off. It's like, we're, you know, I have three kids and we're dealing, wrestling with a lot of the same issues. And mm. so I... I really sort of cherish the times when the world of the show connects to the world I'm, I'm living in. Right. Yeah. Because I just find, you know, sometimes, hey, look, sometimes, you know, you're working on something and it's, it gets so dark and so disturbing, like season two of Goliath, <laughs> where it's so disconcerting. Um, it went pretty dark. It did yeah. go pretty dark in season two. And it's like, and, and you have to do it and, and you have to do the best you can for that story. But then, you know, you kind of take it home with you and you're kind of like, you know, you need to take like seven showers. So <laughs> that's kind of a broad way to answer. I mean, there are shows... Yeah. Where like Ozark is an example of a show where I watch that show and on the one hand, I'm like, ooh, I, I wish we had worked on that. Yeah. You know? But at the same time, it's like, I'm happy to say that when I see a show that's so well scored, like Ozark, mm. I'm really glad that they hired the person who they hired. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like because I'm really enjoying it, and I, and you know it would be a shame because sometimes you see a great show where I just feel like God, mm, I just wish they had approached the score a little differently. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I would you know, you know the first thing that come you you mentioned that you know what something you maybe haven't done as much before or something that comes to mind. I mean, I sort of mentioned the uh, loud and fast and big orchestral stuff. I mean, to be truthful, I feel like we've been. F- fortunate in a lot of the projects that we've done to really find something that for the most part is, is relatable and very satisfying when we sort of come up with with a, with an idea or an approach you sort of solve the puzzle you're like oh this is, really helps the story and it doesn't really matter if it's big or loud or small or poignant or i just look forward to this job really regardless of what it is you know <laughs> I mean, I, I feel very blessed and fortunate not only to work with John on all this stuff, but to at the end of the day, you really feel like just feeling like part of the storytelling and listening to it and, and 
coming back and saying, you know, I really, I feel like I, I did my part in, in making this work and making this better, not necessarily better, but just really making this all work, being, being an important cog in the wheel and making this all work. It's very, it's a satisfying feeling and creatively when you can, because, you know, there's a certain amount of neuroses that goes on too, as a, <laughs> as a composer, right? There's yeah. days where you're like, you're inspired days. You aren't days. Well, I'm, you know, I don't know what I'm doing the next day. It's brilliant. Like, wow, this is amazing. So you kind of go through all those cycles of the creative process. And at the end of the day, you hope you it's, it's, it is really a good feeling. So I don't know. My answer was big and bombastic and fun, you know, that kind of score, <laughs> but I'm not sure. I'm sort of, I'm stepping that back a little bit and just saying that really anything that we are fortunate enough to, to be a part of, I think is, is satisfying. And I look forward to it. I yeah. agree with you. Yeah. yeah. Just, just being, having that moment several times a day, hopefully, where you feel mm-hmm. like you've solved a little puzzle. Yeah. Um, there's a great satisfaction in having kind of cracked the code, you know, just a, a absolutely mini code. And then, and then, you know, the, the, in some ways, the blessing of our job is that it really is someone else's piece. And we're just kind of being called in to kind of, to kind of add our like fairy dust. <laughs> and when we can kind of, you know, just feel like we came through and we, we made we made it, we delivered the intention, you know, yeah. we, we found the thing that is there. And that's the great thing about music scoring in general is that it's you're lifting up the thing that you can't necessarily see or represent with dialogue or the visual. Does that make sense? Yeah. You're, and, and you're shining a light on it in a way that nothing else can do it. And that, that feels really good. Awesome. Well, I should let you go. I'm really looking forward to the soundtrack coming out and the new season of Goliath and hope everything goes well with the rest of the resident. And uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing what you tackle next. Thank you so much. Thank you, David. It's been lovely. Appreciate it. Have a good evening. It's been lovely talking to you. I'll uh, hopefully talk again in the future. All right. You take care. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. 